Hi and welcome to Farah Karamburi Show. This show is all about busy mums juggling life and work. We talk about how they deal with relationships, parenting, self-care, planning and how do they deal with their careers. So join me every Sunday where I bring an insight to a mum who is spinning all the place. I am so humbled and so honoured to introduce this guest to my podcast show. She's a mum of one beautiful daughter. Her name is Supertail. A smart, intelligent, capable, a lady with a very clear vision who is changing the face of HR all over the world. But given her deprived background, her childhood that was immersed in bullying, being called Packy various times in her childhood, been isolated, left in the house for hours, poor self-esteem and divorced parents, something that Indian community doesn't agree with or doesn't accept. At a very young age, she got a job in Tesco's at the Tills. How does she make it from the Tills to being a superstar when it came to HR? She discovered a unique quality. Let's dive right in and find out what that was. Be prepared to get blown away with this podcast. So welcome and I'm so excited that you have joined us finally, Sue. Thank you. Tell us who you are and what do you do? Okay, so I'm Sue Patel and I'm a coach and mentor for HR professionals. Um, I'm also a an award-winning author oh wow my book called Putting the human back into hr i love that name thank i literally you. can't get that out of my head <laughs> it's so good thank you um and i have also an international speaker now as well wow which is phenomenal yeah at the back of um launching my book in okay. 2018 november 2018 i was invited to the maldives to speak at an event at a hr convention in march 2019 wow which was phenomenal yeah it was my first proper international you know, event. Um, but Scary. Yeah, yeah, but it was phenomenal. It was had over 400 people at the event and it was great because they were my audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually felt comfortable talking yeah, to them. Yeah, completely. And the subject was really relevant. Um, but yeah, it was just a phenomenal experience. So yeah, that's who I am and that's what I do. So tell us, how did you get into it? Why, why are you doing what you're doing? Okay. So I uh, worked for Tesco for over 27 years. Um, and about 20 of those years were in HR as a HR manager. Wow. Um, And various roles. So I worked on site in stores, looking after up to about 600 staff. Okay. Um, And then I moved into head office and done some project work in HR. Okay. And one of my biggest projects or my legacy, if you like, in Tesco was creating a five-day residential development program for HR professionals at Tesco. Wow. And it was launched to every single HR professional in the business. So you created that? I created that from scratch. Well, it, it... it ran for about 10 years for a whole decade and it really you know captured every single new personnel manager HR manager right up until 10 years later and um, so that was my biggest legacy but in 2016 um, so I had my daughter in 2005 Mm -hmm. I went on maternity had my daughter in 2005 and then still working at Tesco this time yeah right full-time full-time yeah did you start from like yeah, I started as a cashier, I think that, yeah. and I worked okay. my way up. And, okay. and I think that's the best grounding you can have in yeah. HR. Understanding is, that business so well. Yeah, and understanding what it's like to be an employee. Mm-hmm. Also, what it's like to be a manager within the business, like mm-hmm. a line manager. 
um, which I think is probably the hardest role because you've got to deal with the employees, you've got to deal with your manager above, you've got to deal with customers, you've got to deal with mm -hmm. what the business wants to give you. So the line manager's role is probably the toughest one. And having done that role, mm -hmm. as a HR manager, I was really able to understand what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always had a, a real um, natural ability to just be with people. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really interesting. So as I was kind of going up the ranks, um, I remember a manager walking me around the aisles. Like yeah. I was a trading manager at the time, a shop floor manager. Yeah. And I remember this manager as I was, um, I was a trainee senior manager at the mm -hmm. time. And I remember him coming in one day and we were always scared about what kind of mood he was going to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I mean, we, I've got retail background, so I understand where yeah, you're coming from. So we're yeah. doing the morning walk round and, you know, the night manager's just done like a 14 hour shift. To get walk, it right for this person. To get it right, yeah. for, you know, to get the standards right. And as we were walking down each and every aisle, you know, the manager stopped and he said, what is that? And we're like, what boss? You know, and there was like a shellfish label missing on the wow. on the shelves, okay. right? And he got angry, and I said, "What?" You know, and he said, "There's a label missing there," and we're like, "Sorry, boss." You know, we, obviously we have a notepad to make yeah notes as on, as well. so you yeah. can implement it immediately. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "You don't understand." And so I was like, "You know, I'll get that sorted. I'll put it on." He goes, "No, you don't understand." He said, "Are you effing stupid?" Oh like, my God. you know, addressing me and the night manager. How did you feel? And at that point, I was like in shock that somebody had just said that to me yeah um and i just didn't react to it. i just was like numb to what he just said like out of shock and i remember not reacting to it and just carrying on walking around feeling a bit under, really upset yeah, like a yeah. little bit humiliated if you yeah. like on the shop floor being spoken yeah. to that way um and you know and i kind of left it and thought actually you know it did really grade on me quite a bit and I also remember later on that day, that manager, we were in, you know, went to speak to him about something. And he said, you know, you can be like that with some people, but you have to be mindful of who you can be like that with, he said. Wow. But what I got from that experience was that, you know, at the time I was reading this amazing book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. It was one of my, like, Bibles in yeah. those days. Yeah. And one of the things that it said in there was how people need to be made to feel important. Like, mm -hmm. that's one of the basic needs people have, is to feel important. Mm. Maslow's theory and... Yeah, yeah and I yeah. just thought, you know what, like, I don't want people to feel like how I felt mm -hmm. in an organisation. And, I, you know, at the time I was really kind of in my discovery mode of, like, what is it like to really be employed and, you know, by some of these managers? Mm -hmm. And how is it, what is it like to be treated by some of these managers, you know? And I was just like, actually, I want to be a voice for people. And that was when I first realised that I wanted to go into HR and make a real difference to the way people were treated because I didn't want people to be treated the way I was treated. Mm. And it was really interesting, like the regional manager came around one day and... Um, did you, sorry, did you, just going back to that, did you do anything about what I you didn't said? at the time, it, yeah. Was he the top boss, there's no point taking it any further or... Yeah, I think I was in a place where I was, I was progressing in my role. You don't want to jeopardise anything. And I didn't anything. want to jeopardise yeah. that. And also as well, I didn't know how long I was going to be working with this guy. Again, you know, like the whole kind of relationship thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kind of thought, let me just go with it. You know, mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And also the fact that I learned so much from that experience. Mm -hmm. that, do you know do, what do I mean? That changed the, the de your destiny really. Completely. Yeah. Like, and I've had lots of moments like that mm -hmm. with different managers mm -hmm. where they've actually impacted me in such a way that it's actually 
Um, been good for you rather good than for, yeah completely yeah. you know and probably and I, you know we'll talk a bit later but I've had lots of experiences in life mm-hmm. that I look back on now and don't feel like they were bad experiences mm-hmm. they were all learning experiences for me you're using and, it as your gift now and, yeah, completely yeah, yeah. Completely. I totally understand that so yeah, and I always believe to not become a victim to any situations yeah. you know to look yeah. at it and think okay what can I learn from this yeah. you know and I learned that actually I learned who I wanted to be yeah. about it, yeah. that I wanted to be a voice. So out, out of that became Supertel, the personnel manager, who's going to be a voice for people. Wow. You know, what, was, and what were your next steps after that? So the next step was to look for a role that's going to help me get into HR. Mm-hmm. And um, the regional manager came around one day and he said, look, Sue, you know, what is, what is your next step? And I said, this is what I want to do. Mm. And he said, okay, leave it with me. And two weeks later, um, I got appointed into HR. For, with the head office or with, with so the in store? stores, yeah. Within, so oh, in they stores. had HRs in stores then, didn't they? Yeah, yes, that's absolutely. right. Yeah. Yes. So um, and it was really again, even that journey was interesting. So I went from a trading manager on the shop floor to being a HR manager on the mon- like on the Friday I was a trading manager, and then on the wow. Monday I was a HR manager. So they gave you a manager's role straight away. So no, I was already a, a manager. No, as in the in floor. HR. In HR, yeah. So okay. we didn't have. Um, because I was already senior management, yeah. there was lots of different roles on the same level. Oh, I so see. there was okay. customer service, okay. operations, and HR. Yeah. So I got moved into a HR role. Was there a HR person already there? Or no, there was a vacancy. Yeah, there was a vacancy. Okay. Yeah. So and it was um, an East London shop. Um, so I've gone from North it? London to an East London shop. And um, yeah, I walked in and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do yeah, now. And this I'm, is what my, I was going to ask. What do you do? Yeah. And also being a shop floor manager, you're so used to being on the shop floor mm-hmm. working all the time. I, I actually, yeah, yeah. You know, being active with the customers and the people. And suddenly I've got an office job kind of, you know, that was like. Completely opposite to what yeah. you've been doing. But I always thought that actually I never made it an office job because I've come from a background of being on the shop floor mm. with customers and people. I was like, actually, I don't want this role to be about me being in an office. Mm, you, you so I spent a lot of time yeah. on the shop floor with people and understanding who they are and what they do, their backgrounds, what was important for them, what they were dealing with in their lives. And I really built up relationships very quickly with people. In fact, they were so shocked by me being on the shop floor asking them these questions mm. that they were got suspicious of, but in a way they got suspicious wow. of me because nobody had ever asked them about wow. them. Wow. Um, and like you said, human basic need. Yeah, yeah, and they've never been made to feel that way, you know. And I remember, um, you know, a couple of months later, the um, we had Ramadan happening mm. um, in that year. It was, and it, I think it was, it was a late, it was sort of late autumn mm-hmm. time. I can't remember. It was quite a late period of time, mm-hmm. so the days were getting darker earlier and all that kind of stuff. And um, we have a restaurant, like a staff canteen, which serves during certain times. Mm-hmm. However, these guys who were breaking their fast at like- Odd the, times, yeah, yeah. because the sun was going down a lot earlier. 4.15 yeah, or something, or something like, like that. that. Yeah. But then the restaurant closes at like 2.30. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, what are you doing to break your fast? And they're like, well, we just go on the shop floor and get something and I'm just... Okay, so yeah, we had Ramadan happening at the time, but obviously the nights were getting, um, Shorter. Shorter. Longer. Longer. Yeah, so the daylight was getting shorter and um, the canteen was closes at 2.30. So they had to go on the shop floor to get food, but then they weren't having any hot hot yeah. meals. You know, it's the only time yeah. they're eating all day. And I was like, okay, we can't have this. Yeah. So I approached the lady in the canteen. And I said, look, you know, during Ramadan, can we also open the evenings up earlier, mm-hmm. like at 4.30 instead of 6.30, so that 
people can break their fast. Um, and she came in earlier to arrange that for people. And it was just great, you know, like the staff That's really amazing. felt taken yeah. care of. Um, wow. Y- yeah. So, it was, and it, so you saw the pain points and you tried yeah. to solve those. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And, and break the norm where these people might have been ignored in the past because they were yeah. like, well, you have, it's only a minority, so you just have to just get stuff from the shop floor rather than having the hot food. Yeah. But you're like, no, no, that's not right. Yeah. And because it was an East London store, majority of the staff uh, yeah, were diverse but, yes. from diverse backgrounds. And, um, and actually, it was really important for me to, mm. you know, just it was simple things mm-hmm. that made a big difference why have you got this thing in you do you think where does it come from um is it coming from your parents what is there something happening actually, in your childhood that actually made you the person you are where you are looking you're so close to the person's needs um i think it's come from a place of a sense of um leadership mm-hmm. really so I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second, mm. you know. Um, but I just wanted to just, just share with yeah, you, sure. you know, a couple of other things. You know, we had an employee who was um, on the books for over two years, but he was he was off sick. Mm-hmm. So what happened was he was involved in an accident at work where the back iron gate fell on his body. Oh God. And he'd literally fractured lots of parts of his oh body gosh. and all that. You know, they had to air ambulance him out. This was before I joined the store. And um, he was on the books and nobody had been to see him for two years. Oh, my goodness. You know, and everyone was so afraid to... Um, what to say. What Don't to say, say the right wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so I they kind forgot of the human part of the completely. whole. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what, let's go and meet the guy. Yeah. Let's go and meet him and see what he's dealing mm-hmm. with. And, he, you know, like he wanted to be dismissed from the business because he couldn't move forward. Yeah. But nobody had done it because it was an awkward conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, he was going for an insurance claim, obviously. And I said, you know what? You've got every right to do that. Exactly. Continue doing that. Yeah. But in the meantime, let's get this done so yeah. that you can then progress. And yeah. you have closure and completion. Yeah. You know, and the business can move forward as well. Um, so, you know, we agreed to, to do that. But we did it in such a way, you know, that dignity, you know, we did it with dignity. We did it with integrity and transparency. And, it, you know, and he felt like, you know what? He's got closure on this. Mm. You know, very important words you just said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you just went. You know, you your hands were like. You know, what 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 can we do for you? Almost because no yeah. one's actually seen you for two years. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And and you know, moving that forward was really important mm. for him, but also for the business. That um, comes from someone having quite a lot of confidence within themselves in terms of leader, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. It's yeah. about you know to like take that to take the uh, that decision that nobody else had taken for two years. Yes, completely. You know, and and it, and actually there was. Um, the, you know there was there's always a bit around you know the absence percentages in the business you know you know we need yeah. to we need to get the absence percentages down so that you know people are in work and all that yeah. kind of so it, there was like a driver there but at the same time i wanted to do it through being human as mm-hmm. well it's not just about okay let's just get him off the books and, and because do that. that's what our rules that's say that's what the rules no, say exactly. so actually no we're going to have a meeting with him and understand how he is first yeah. of all and let's look at what he wants to do. Yeah. What know, did he end up and doing? In that conversation, yeah, he was like, you know, I'll just, you know, let's just do what we need to do. Yeah. You know, and I acknowledged. I said, you know what, you've got an insurance claim going through, and if there's any support you need with that, yeah, then we're happy to support you with that as well because okay. you've got every right. You know, you've yeah. got to live the rest of your life with these injuries. Yeah. So, um, you know, really supported him with that. Amazing. And then there were things like, you know, we had union reps at the time. Yeah. Who, yeah. You know, correct. So we had union reps, you know, who were representing us door. Um, who were, you know, representatives and voices for people. Yes. And I never shied away 
from them. Okay. Like, in fact, you know, it's always... You welcomed it. Completely yeah. welcomed it. So I got them all together and I openly, you know, I had a meeting with all of them and I said, guys, you know, you and I are on the same team. Mm-hmm. First of all, I want you to get that. You know, I'm here for the people yeah. just as much as you are. So whatever we've got to do, you know, it's about having the interests of people at heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not about winning a game yeah. or winning a case or winning, you know, all of that. We're all here to achieve everything yeah. in partnership. And for the people. Yeah, completely. And in my role, I was probably one of the first personnel managers to get every uh, union rep from the whole region together with the area organiser to give them some development around how to build partnership. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you saw a gap there? Yeah, because... Yeah. They were lot, operating completely on their yeah, own. Yeah, because a lot of them became militant, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And it doesn't work for creating partnerships. Mm. So Two different I, agendas. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So I created that, actually, you know what, we've got to create a partnership. And I think from that, then, the business moved to creating what's called a partnership with Usdor. Mm-hmm. And they literally refer to it as a partnership. Oh, I see. Which is phenomenal. Even started, it's the language, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I started to notice that I had this sense of creativity to really solve problems really quickly, mm-hmm. but do it in a very human way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started thriving on that because people, I was seeing people were really progressing, people were loving the place that we were creating for them mm-hmm. to work in. Um, you know, absence was, or attendance was improving, people wanted to be at work. And because we were treating them in a certain these, way... These are the measures, are really, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they wanted to be in work, Yeah, you know? Um, and also Amazing. things like progression, you know, like, you know, I used to kind of hone in, and when I used to see people who were really talented, you know, really driven, you know, I used to tap into that and say, like, what do you want in your life? Mm. You know, what kind of future do you want to create? And they'll be like, yeah, I want to earn money, I want to be a manager. I said, okay, if you want to be a manager, I can help you with that. Okay. You know, and I created opportunities where you know I do some development work with them some training with them some coaching with them and mentoring with them to help them and it was like my favorite thing in my in my job well, in your element was seeing literally. people yeah. grow yeah you know Fantastic. when somebody goes from being a shelf filler to becoming a manager that's amazing it's amazing it? it's it really so is. amazing to be part of the journey because they've learned each skill on the each part of your journey Completely. haven't they and then like, made that wow they're gonna go on to have awesome futures with yeah. their families because of an intervention that that you, you, know, you that did, I, yeah, that exactly. I took part in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even to this day, I have people from like years ago. Some of them, are, you know, I can't remember all of them because there were so many. So many, yeah. But they remember me. Yes. Yeah. You know, and they, you know when they ca- catch up with me either on Facebook or LinkedIn, you know, they're sending messages saying, "I'll always remember that you oh, took amazing. some time." Yeah, it was. It is just a great feeling. Great, Fantastic. great feeling. So you know, like for me. I really thrived, thrived on that. It. Yeah, you thrived literally loved on, your job, yeah, didn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you made it whatever you want it to be. Exactly that. Whatever your uh, beliefs were, your values were, you stuck with those. Completely. And I think that's why you kept thriving. Yeah. There was no stopping you, really, then. Completely. And I always say, like, um, now, because I'm coaching and mentoring HR professionals mm. now, that if you make your job about policies, processes... Then Procedures. Th- then that's how your job's going to be. But actually, if you make your job about... Um, progression, development, performance, training, growth, then that's, that's how your job's going to be. Like, yeah. I don't remember ever having to deal with grievances and disciplinaries that got really difficult because mm. generally you pick them we, up before they got we to created that. a culture yeah. where we were all inclusive, we mm. were all supportive of each other, there's lots of teamwork going on, you know, and also enrolling the line managers and saying, you know what, your life's going to be easier when you're proactive with your people. Mm. They just want communication. You know, they want to know, you know, how to get answers to their questions. Just yeah. take some time out to listen. That's, you know, and listening exactly is the biggest key. And I always say, you know, I put a quote up the other day saying, 
if you want to be heard listen start listening yeah so for me you know those kinds skills, of skills became yeah. important important but also just more natural okay you know um and that's the things you know that's what i teach that's what I taught my line managers, mm -hmm. you know, the senior managers that I worked with. And then also as a HR professional, what I started to learn is I'm not just HR for people in the store or mm -hmm. the people that work kind of, um, that reported in towards the senior role, but also for the the head of stores, like the store managers, mm -hmm. you know, and actually supporting them with their development. Because lots of HR professionals are scared to support their direct bosses with their development and say okay actually what are you working on so i started to find my way with them because in the in the past i was a little bit uncomfortable and not very confident because of what happened as well yeah, the way they well, spoke yeah. yeah yeah so um but i started to tap into that as well and say okay so what's your plan what's your career plan and how mm. can i support you mm -hmm. because when you've got that relationship with the, your boss it just makes everything else fall so into place because yeah, they believe in what you're saying and yeah. they allow you to do things that perhaps haven't been done before yeah, yeah. and they, you're, creating, Gosh, yeah. you're creating trust yes. and credibility because they, you're providing a space for them to open up yeah, what 100%. they're dealing with but that was only possible because I was able to open up with them about what I'm dealing with mm -hmm. so, so when you took some risks yeah and actually you know I say that now to you know HR professionals that I'm working with is actually you know you're saying you want to create cultures that are open and vulnerable and you know we, we talk about bringing your whole self to work yeah for employees yes. but do you do that mm. lots of hr managers leaders directors you know they don't bring their whole self to work they show an image that they want people to see of them why is that how it's become hasn't it yeah because people think that managers should be seen as strength um professional you know like if you'll be vulnerable and you share something that you're dealing with then you're seen as being weak like you cannot have a bad day yeah like you know we look up to you so you've got to be strong you know that's been drummed into that's people been that come in people. yeah, yeah and as you go up the ladders it's even more isn't yeah. it yeah and actually i remember you know in my very early days i remember um we had a a new graduate recruitment come in and she became a really good friend but something that she instilled in me that probably isn't true now but at the time you know she'd say things like sue be careful who you speak to about certain things be careful who you trust with your life you know mm. whatever and and i i used to put that barrier up that you know people can't yeah. see me as being weak like yeah. you know they're gonna think i'm not good enough yeah. or whatever yeah. so i created that too but what i found through that is that relationships become distant yep you're not letting other people contribute to you and you're not being authentic and when you're not being authentic you you're can't not, you build can't good relationships you can't move if you're on a pedestal and, and they're all seeing you perfect all the time and everything in your life they start thinking everything in your life's perfect then the little bit of some of you you might be having a bad day you might have a child and you've opened up and you see that oh my gosh she's she's human. real yeah she's human yeah completely. and i i so relate to what you're saying because i worked for um Debenhams for 15 years and i did exactly this as i became a manager i changed some of the rules uh, uh, in my scope of practice, uh, you know, you couldn't do many things, but the things I could do. And yeah. I was so fortunate that when you are off that thought process, you then meet people off the same thought. So my bosses were, there's only two or three, but they all liked what I did. It was yeah. different to everyone else, but it was about my people. 
because yeah. I knew if, my, if these guys are on my side, then I can, it, the sales will come as a byproduct of me Completely. speaking to them in a human manner. And I will speak to them, um, you know, take them in an office because I can see they're having a bad day. I could see things before it actually became bigger. Yeah. And, they, and they're like, how do you know? I said, I can tell you having a bad day. What's wrong? Just tell me whatever it is. Just speak up. It's all in this room. And they would just tell me everything. Mm. And I ended up. Uh, becoming a person who people will come to to say all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Almost a little bit. Somebody even said it's like HR. Yeah. You know, you you going to we didn't have HRs. The HRs dissolved within. Yes. And there was a central. Yeah. Which I found <coughs> really difficult. I found as a manager, I found that very hard to deal with because there was no human touch in this. And if yeah. I'm actually making a decision about dismissal, where I want to discuss because my heart is somewhere else mm -hmm. and what I want to say is something <coughs> else. Um, but it's a process you have to follow. Yeah. And completely. there is somebody on on uh, their hand, but you're not even seeing them. So yeah. I don't know who I'm telling who to. You know, it was it was horrible when that happened. Yeah. And I that think, take that happened I can in really Tesco as well. relate to that as well. Yeah, because from my days of being at Tesco, you know, we were in mm. stores and we were available for managers, the senior team, the store managers, you know, and they had a, an expert mm. in the building who was very people orientated exactly. and knew what they what needed to happen. And nowadays. You know, it is kind of stripped out to the single units, um, which in a way has empowered managers now to be yeah, more correct. human That's as right. well. So it has empowered them to be more human. But what's missing there now is that managers are not being developed as much as what they used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, so managers are having to find their own way, which again, I do be, do believe that Th that there is, is the some right greatness way. in it. Yeah, yes, completely. Correct. Because before there was such a a, a dependency on having a HR person. Mm. You know? It was. You, we literally went to them and said, I, I, yeah. need, I need a 30-hour person. Here you go. Yeah. What, do you want to tell me yeah. who they are, where they're going to fit? Well, I had to recruit my own. I yeah. knew exactly what I was looking for. And I, I dug in deep into these CVs and I interviewed hard to get the right person because I know within that picture where do they fit in yeah. within that puzzle that I have. However, when I gave it to HR, I was very much, well, they ticked all the boxes, so you've taken them on. Yeah. But actually, they don't. Me and them, we're not. We're not linked. We don't. We, it's not. Yeah. We're not. And in some ways, chemistry. like HR can never do right. Yeah. Whatever they yeah. do. Yeah, they did. So you might as well right. do it yeah. yourself. Exactly. Isn't it? You then became HR versus the shop floor or yeah. the managers. Yeah. 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 What I do feel though is having taken HR out of those units now, I think you know, the future is that every unit or you know every manager in a, in wherever they're working should have access to somebody who's a coach and a mentor yes for them hundred percent because who do they go to like at the moment they have their boss their boss which who the, also needs who also does need that support, support from as HR, well yeah. um and i think often bosses you know so say if i just take tesco for example yeah. so the store manager is seen as you know you're a leader you need yeah. to coach your team yeah but then also you're doing that person's review. Yeah. So if they really want to be vulnerable, are yeah. they going to come to you? Because of what a good point we're all you've human made, beings. Actually. Yeah. We're all human beings. And if they come to you with the vulnerability, then is that then going to be talked about in their appraisal? Yeah, that you're not may not be able to move forward because of what yeah, you just exactly, told me. Exactly. Yeah. So having like a coach and a mentor or an access to coaches and mentors for individuals within an organization, you know, like just mm. somebody that they can share something that they're dealing with yeah. that isn't going to then be their manager going to run over to the manager and tell them yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so i think that's something that maybe in the future companies will look at potentially putting in place to yeah. support um it's a bit like um, most organizations now have a mental health first aider yes i was just going that's in their exactly where my mind now. was going yeah. yeah the problem with with some companies though with that is that they're making their hr people be that 
Now, the problem with HR overall is that it doesn't have a great reputation. You know, so business owners don't necessarily like HR because they feel like they're being too restrictive. Mm. Employees don't like HR because they feel like they're always supporting the business. Um, but then HR is paid by the business. Mm. So what do they do? Yeah. You know, so they HR's, need to support the business. HR is yeah. like a bit of a pig in the middle. You yeah. know, like, what do we do? Yeah, you're right. And, and you felt that as a, as a HR manager, did you feel that? Um, do you feel that now even? No, I felt it more when I came out of okay. you Tesco. Okay, because Tesco's. at Tesco, you know, they, you know, is a brilliant company to work for. They gave you so much opportunity and to create the role yeah. that you wanted to create. So I was able amazing. to... That's amazing yeah, that you were able to literally develop this role yeah, the complete, way you want it to develop. Completely. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and they were really open to ideas and sharing and stuff like that. So it was And that's why you stayed? A great, yeah. For a long time. 27 years. Th- this, right? this is an example of somebody who is actually loving what they're doing. Yeah, completely. You know, I haven't got a bad word to say about them at all. Amazing. It was an, you know, it really... I grew up at Tesco. Yeah. And I am who I am because of my journey yeah. with them, really. Yay you know, for Tesco's, had, yeah. Had amazing mentors, amazing you know managers and directors um and you know they do really invest in your learning which was awesome why did you leave sorry why did you leave i got made redundant in 2016 yeah so i moved to regional role and then because of hr being dissolved was that the reason okay yeah so it was you know they were cutting down the structures of hr gosh and um yeah do you think you just would have still been there but then i think you know in 2016 it was quite a pivotal year for me so in the February, I separated from my husband after 10 years. Okay. Um, but then I thought I'd be fine. I've got a job and I'll be yeah. fine, you know. And then in the March, I was made redundant. Gosh, so one month after? Yeah. And you had no clue when no. you separated from your husband that no. this was coming? I kind of knew that the structure was coming, but I thought it'd be all right. Yeah, because you'd done so much. Yeah. been there so long. Yeah. Wow. So you can never, so never you feel that you're all right, yeah. can you? Gosh, and then okay. in the April, I had to sell my house. Gosh. So I went from having a secure family network, a secure job, and having my own home to being a single parent for the first time, having no job, no income, and living in a rented home for the first time in my life. And that was in 2016. Wow. So you can imagine, like, by May, I was, like, rock bottom. How did it affect your health? Uh, Really badly, in a way. Like, I just felt myself feeling... It actually affected more my self-esteem and my Mm -hmm. self-worth, like... That's you. It's interesting you say that. That many women have actually said that when this happens, it's like you take. You think it's you. Yeah, completely. Even though you, you had no part to play in the redundancy, and the marriage obviously is, it was between two people. But in terms of redundancy, it's not your fault. But you're like, well, what? They must have not done something right. Why did you not keep me? Questions, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I felt like I wasn't good enough. I yeah. wasn't worthy of being, you know, like to stay at the company. I felt all, the, you know. But then, so at that point, I felt very worthless. This you know, is and May I remember now. having a conversation with somebody saying, I haven't got a job, I haven't got an income, I've got no living in a rented home, you know, for the first time, and I, now I'm separated from my husband, what's my family going to think? Like, I just felt like my world was, like, crashing. It was like the rug Upside had down, been pulled, pulled from underneath me. And, Gosh. yeah, I felt, like, really not in a good place for for a good couple of months. I started to realize that my mindset was really affecting me. I was just really getting into a negative spiral. Yeah, and was that quick? Uh, yeah. The, 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 the change was really quick from some, someone in January is thriving, completely. being positive mindset to May yeah, is completely. hitting rock bottom. Completely, completely, completely. And I just had these 
questions constantly have I done the right thing by leaving my husband mm. what kind of a mother am I have I done the right thing with my daughter you know how is my ex going to cope like you know all of these questions will come and he was also dealing with his stuff like he didn't ever think I was going to do it you know so he was broken completely why, why did you leave? Um, just you know without I don't want to make him wrong you know like we just Course, started yeah. you know we, me and him are amazing friends now you know like he's my, he's always going to be my family mm. like that's how we've created exactly our life my now husband. we you know? get on really well yeah. Yeah. yeah so just you know we were just arguing loads he was drinking loads and you know I didn't have the resources at the time to really save us mm-hmm. you know and I just had to that's the it's, do you think it's uh, ironic that you were helping so many people outside at your work yeah. and making people's lives better in most cases yeah. but inside the story was different yeah completely and you know as much as I offered him support and you yeah. know said let's go get counselling let's go get yeah. some coaching or some sort of you know let's get some outside help like he just wasn't up for it okay so and what I, I suggested was a no and then you literally had and you know wait for a while then, yeah. you, then you just you take the horse to the water work. but you can't make it yeah really. exactly yeah. that and to be honest having left him now it's the best thing that's happened for his growth okay you know so at the time when I was dealing with all these negative emotions and how I was being and feeling you know I had guilt worry doubt about my future he was also quite broken and you know I didn't want to abandon mm. him either yeah so you know we obviously because we were selling our house he didn't have anywhere else to go apart from his mom and dad's and he didn't want to go back there and he was struggling to find a place to stay you know so one weekend I said to my daughter let's just go and find a place for your dad so we went and had a look at some properties um, we found a really nice place that she liked because I know that you know I wanted her to be able to feel comfortable when she goes and mm-hmm. visits him. So it was a, it was a bigger bigger need there, not just for him, but yeah. also for where your for daughter goes. Her, yeah, yeah, for her. And we found this place that she liked. You know, I put a deposit down and I said to him, right, you're going to move in. Wow. You know, you, are you a little bit of kind of uh, you try and fix things in the house? Are you renowned yeah, for that in your house? I've so the minute someone says like this is happening to me, are you like right? What can we do to yeah, you? Yeah, completely. Yeah. In yeah. fact, what I realized through the whole process was I was all about helping fixing other people but I also had this attachment around it was it was coming from a place of attachment so if I help you then I'm going to look good okay so it was coming through that needing to Mm -hmm. be valued and wanted and Uh, wanted needed to be like there's a there's a reason why you're here you've got to keep showing that at some stage yeah, all like the you, time yeah. yeah so you know but I yeah. kind of woke up to that that it was an attachment to fix other people mm. because at the time I was seeking counselling myself because my, my head was just mm. spinning and I remember this counsellor saying well what about you and what about mm. what you want and I was like no no I'm fine mm. I don't just, need anything if, like, as long as everybody else is around me I'm fine. good yeah. I'm happy that everyone else is you know but she said but hold on a minute but what about you mm. what do you want and that was when I broke down and I thought yeah. actually wow. what do I want but that started to waken me up to who I was becoming you know like I you know I was I was literally living from a victim mode mm-hmm. in my life you know if um, then in May yeah, yeah. In, that, in that period yeah but what I wasn't aware to was really who I who I really was and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second how does it feel when you're saying this right now like amazing like for where I am now mm. like my life has literally transformed in the last like two years it's completely been completely transformed in the last two years it's been phenomenal so um once I got him settled um he was actually working for his mom and dad in his mom and dad shop mm-hmm. so he'd had no colleagues no friends in the area his mom and dad worked with him and generally in a family business unit business mm. 
um, your family, Asian families are really good at pointing out what's wrong mm-hmm. rather oh, than yeah. sharing about yeah. what's right. It's like, it's like when you put a bit of weight on, they tell you straight away. Yeah, completely. Yeah, what have you been eating? Yeah. Um, so, and that's what he was, you yeah. know, like his life was really stunted. So obviously I was still in ties, you know, in co- communication with a lot of my Tesco colleagues. Mm-hmm. So I said, you need to come out of that um, environment in your mum and dad shop and go and explore something else. Yeah. So I helped him get a role at Tesco. Oh, wow. Okay. Part time. As well as and you were not, you're the not there. No, so, I'm not yeah, there. But, but you I still have contacts. To, yeah. I wanted him to yeah. still have that, you know, all the while I was thinking about, you know what? it doesn't matter what's happened between me and him he's still my daughter's dad mm. and I don't want her to have a listening of her dad as somebody who's not capable who's not um, independent you know I wanted him to create this independency mm-hmm. for himself you know to why were you because th- this sounds really someone who's um, got a real level head right all the way across so far you've come across it at no stage did you feel like being angry with him because of because of him you might have got to this stage or it was none of that in you and how and how do you develop how do you cultivate that kind of mindset really yeah so so i came at that point um i was just really happy to be out of it okay so that was your so that was you my, achieved that didn't you yeah because you so made i was move. like do you know what okay, i made that move you. now okay. and i've got what i want there's no need to be angry mm-hmm. about anything mm-hmm. and actually when i think about him i i've really learned to understand what people are dealing with. On the surface, I saw him drinking and arguing. Hmm. There's there's a thing behind him. Yeah, why but he's there's doing always it. an of underlying course. behavior, yeah, or underlying reason why people behave that yeah. way, isn't it? And yes. if we took some time out in our everyday life and just understand that and, thing and thought, what are they dealing with? Then you can't even get angry at people. No, you're hundred percent right. And and this is what this doesn't happen enough, does it? Yeah. So because yeah, I was just saying that people are so quick to um, point the finger and write people off, even mm. though this is a person you had a child with. You told So people are really quick to point the finger um, and then finish that relationship yeah. or just move away from it, but maybe that time hasn't been dedicated to actually think about why people are behaving in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like, um, you know, lots of people say, cut people out of your life if, you know, Toxic, toxic, and all that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't agree There's with any of that. Always something yeah. their wife person is behaving. The and way actually, they are. what you got to look at, and this is something that I'll share in a second as well, is that for for us to really look at is not what people are for us, but who are we for people. Mm. Right. That's a, that's a really good line there. Because when we think about who are we for people, you get to choose who you want to be for who people. you want to be for people. You know, it's very powerful. So that kind of got me present to actually, who do I want to be for him? Mm. You know, we can go outside and we can go and feed the homeless. We can go and help people we don't even know. Mm. We can be nice to people we don't even Mm. know or whatever. And yet here we are in our own families creating these environments where people can't be human. Mm. Wow. You know, so we just being fake right and that's exactly you know what so saying. you know you can say oh, oh i'm a great i'm a great person i'm a caring person but you're going to choose who you want to be caring, caring to yeah uh, yeah exactly Actually, then that's not really who Which you is, really are that's like, exactly what i was saying that you were being you were looking after so many people in thousands in tesco's yeah, yeah. but maybe perhaps you didn't have that with at home yeah i didn't have the resources you yeah. know like if you know from where I am now, yeah. you know, if I think about you look it, back now. Yeah, yeah, and I could think actually, you know what, perhaps I could have just forced him to 
see a coach or a mentor uh. or a counsellor. I would have, you know, done something mm-hmm. if I had the resources, but at the time I didn't, mm. you know. And I also get that, you know, when I met him, I was in a very, very vulnerable position myself. When you met him When I met first. him okay. first, you know, and I was just really happy to have somebody there who okay. really loved being with me. Yeah. So, you know, like, we're all the growing feel, through stages feel feeling, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. I believe that we meet people who are a reflection of our own thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Yes. So when I met him, I was myself in a very vulnerable, very insecure place. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he came along, gave me some attention and started to show me that, you know, I belonged. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is great. Basic human need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, we you know, we had a great relationship, you know, we were married for ten years, yeah. we had a and beautiful that's how it daughter. Starts, no one's gonna have a list of do you I mean the people do, don't they? If I meet a person, they need to be this, this and this and then is that real? No. Because what you really need is to connect. And yeah. also at that time when you've met them, what was your need then versus completely. what it is now, isn't yeah, it? Completely, yeah. completely. Yeah. So yeah, so that was like two thousand and sixteen. But what you know, as I started to really spiral into this um low self worth, low self esteem hmm. thing, right? Like it was like um a whirlpool going down and down in terms of like who I was being. So you're at home now, aren't yes, you? Yes, at my home. Your daughter's going yeah, to school. She goes to school. My phone stops ringing. No messages are coming through. No emails. All my friends were Tesco friends. So, so your world has gone much smaller, smaller, tiny, yeah. literally. Based Even in my house. family. So all my family lived in London. I lived in Southend. You know, so and obviously now I'm not with my husband. Like his family is just like obviously they're broken. Yeah. You know. Um, and I'm constantly questioning, like, you know, nobody's going to like me, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Because well. you're taking you know, a step that, yeah. in, even especially in the Asian community, isn't exactly yeah. seen as, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so really just thought of myself as just not good enough what and were you not doing worthy of nothing. Like, just, I remember... How do you deal with when you are down in low yeah, mood? Rem- what do you go to? I remember being in my living room. Um, of my rented place sitting on my black leather sofa the sun gleaming through the windows and I'm all alone it's quiet and I was just sobbing oh my god just sobbing 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 thinking oh my god like I have no control over how my life is right now Mm. you know and if it wasn't for my brother like I don't know where I'd be Wow, you know, we haven't my, heard about the brother yeah, at all. My brother, right now. Yeah, my brother was really like my rock at the time, you know. And I remember speaking with him, and he said, "Sue, you got to be. You're strong, right? You can get through this. You've got through so much in your life. You're going to get through this." Is he your to-go-to person he's, when you're down? Yeah, completely. He because he, you know, he's he's got power for both of us at the time, especially with what mm. I was dealing with, mm. you know. And I was just like, oh, I just want to end it. I just can't cope. You know, like how much Did more? Did you actually think like that? I was, I was in the car. I remember this one time I was in the car wow. and I was just feeling really like, oh, just, it was the day when I handed over the keys to my house. And I remember sobbing like a baby. That was the, that was the home that my daughter grew up in. Mm. That was so the first 10 years of her life. And we had amazing memories as a family. You know, that was my one place where I had everything a girl could want. You know, a husband, a house, a car, a job, a kid. Everything, everything, all boxes. Yeah, three bedroom house. I had everything I'd ever wanted. And I was sitting outside in the car, just sobbing like a baby. And I remember, um, you know, when I'd calmed down, I called my brother and he said, look, Sue, you're going to get through this. It's going to be all right. But you can't see that, can you? Yeah, I was just like, but what I said to him was, do you know what? 
I'm actually tired of being strong. Mm, I'm actually tired of it. And I'll tell you why I said that to him. I said that to him because I thought back to my whole life. You've been strong. Right? You? That I'd been, str- I constantly, super tell, had to keep being strong. For everyone else. For, for everyone, but also to just keep going in life with whatever happened. You know, I remember from the age of, from a very young age, my mum my was 16 when she came to the UK. Okay. Never met my dad okay. in the 70s. Um, she married at 16, mm-hmm. had me at 17. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have any family around, didn't know English. She just came on her own? She just came on her own. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So at she age had 16? To, so she had to live with, because back in the days, that's what you do. Wow. Right? That's brave. Yeah. Very brave. Yeah. But in back, it was a given. It was okay. a, the done thing in those days. Everybody was doing it. Okay. Right? Um, she never met my dad before, married him, had me at 17, um, didn't really know what, in our culture, in our Asian culture, um, you'll probably be able to relate to this is people don't really show or express emotions. No, no. It's you know, all kept under the rug. Yeah, because it? it's yeah. not a thing that you do. No. You don't upset the other person or you don't Yeah, or you well what you don't do is you don't tell people that I love you. No. You, you don't, don't openly express you don't openly anything. express love, you don't openly express hate. You know, you're <laughs> anything, just you're like, like nothing. Yeah. yeah. You you talk a lot behind people's backs yeah, 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 to express it. how you feel, feel but yeah. you don't openly express anything. And I just remember in my family that, you know, so so my parents didn't have like a, a home to live in. We mm. rented a room in other people's homes. Mm. And I remember at the age of six, um, I went into the landlord's daughter's room, right? She was only a couple of years older than me, but she had one big double bed in this beautiful room and mm-hmm. she was putting up um, colorful butterflies and love hearts and fairies and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I was like mesmerized she that, yeah. at the age of six. I was like, that was my first kind of, how does this one girl have a whole big room and a double bed to herself and I'm sharing a room with another four people. Wow. Right? Is that brother and sister? So, sorry? Is that your brother and sister? So I've got two brothers and my mum and dad. Okay. And I was just mesmerised by it all and I remember touching something on her table and she smacked me. Oh my god. Yeah, and I remember it distinctly. It's been with me forever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like shocked. But my initial thing was, right, I'm going to go and tell my mum of you. Like, yeah. how dare you do that to me? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I waited all day for my mum to come home. And then, you know, my mum was chilling. And I said, mum, i got to just tell you this. Like, you know, she hit me, right? Thinking that my mum's going to get angry and mm. go and, you know, fight my battle for me, right? But my mum simply just said, like, you know, what can I do? You know, we're living, living in their, their house. house. Wow. Right? We don't want to, you know... Uh, we just got to get on with it, you know. And I, at that age, as a child, I just thought, if anything happens to you, you just have to get on with it. Mm. You think that's it, where it stems from? Yeah, there, You're being strong because your mum just showed you some resi- like become resilient to this environment because yeah. you need to. Yeah, but what it, in some way, it is mm. it was my driver for mm. everything because then I remember that when I was about eight eight or nine we were going to school and every day on the corner of this street there was this skinhead in the this was like mid uh late 70s mm-hmm. early 80s there's a skinhead on a bike mm-hmm. every single day terrorizing me and my brothers every single day and i hated it hated it hated it but because i had this thing that you just have to get, get on, with, on it, with it i never told my mom and never you know never complained about it we just went and we had to deal with it he would call us a packy. He would chase us on his motorbike. 
Um, wow. But we just dealt with it, right? And then at the age of, um, it was around that time as well, you know, my parents used to be out at work. We were left with our cousins. And again, you know, they used to just bully us the in the home. Yeah, because there was no parents around. Right. And they thought it was having fun, right? Oh, right, okay. But, but it was crossing yeah, that path. Yeah, it was yeah. really humiliating and, oh, and really? intimidating and all of that. And, you know, we just had to deal with it, you know. And then at the age of... Um, How does it make you feel now that you're saying it? No, I'm like... In, you know, I just feel like it was a good learning for me. Okay. Like looking back now, I just think actually, I you know, I got so much from all of these experiences. Mm. At the age of um, 11, my parents finally, my mum went and borrowed some money off um, her brothers, her cousins and bought a house, mm -hmm. which was um, awesome. And, um, you know, my dad was never really an ambitious man. He was very quiet. He was very controlled by his dad. Mm -hmm. So he never really had any ambitions to, to go and do something. Do something. Major. Yeah. yeah. But, so your my mom mom, did. but my mum was like an amazing role model. You know, she's wow. come from India on her own. That that in itself English, is amazing. You know, and she was such a like so strong and powerful, like always. She held everyone together. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So she borrowed the money, we bought a place and then we then it that was our house and then we then had people renting rooms in our house. Yeah. And I finally got my room. Wow. Which was really cool. Wow. Right? Um, and then, how old are you now? Then, do you think about eleven, twelve-ish. Okay. So at this point now, um, you know, I'm I'm a young kid, you know, in her teens, and I don't haven't really experienced love mm -hmm. and attention and somebody telling me I'm amazing or anything. No. I'm not experienced. It's that. more survival. Isn't I'm it? just surviving. Yeah, the whole family is. Yeah, it? completely. Yeah. It's day to day. Everything. We've come here. We need to get on with it. We need to listen to all these things that are happening outside. Just get on with getting it. On yeah, with it. getting on. Yeah. Yeah. So at the age of 12, you know, we've got a, we've got a home now. My parents are at work. I'm at home. It's summer holidays and we've got other families living in the house. And then one of my uncles, one morning, um, there was nobody else in the house, came in my room mm -hmm. and said, oh, I just want to show you something, you know? So I was just like, oh, okay, cool. So- You're 12. I'm about 12, yeah. So I went in his room and um, he got naked. Wow. His real uncle. Yeah, cousin. Cousin uncle, yeah. 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 Um, and obviously got me to touch him and stuff. Really? Yeah. Oh gosh. So that was at the age of 12. And you knew straight and away that did not feel right to no, you? No, I didn't actually. Because I'd okay, never, heard, never heard about sex yeah. or anything like that. Obviously, I've not, you know, didn't even... Experience anything. Nothing yeah. like that. Nothing. Never even had any knowledge or experience yeah. of sex or anything. And the parents never and said, they we were, don't do this? Or no, do never this. ever. Okay. Right? And he was my uncle, so I trusted him. Exactly. Like, why would he want to harm me? Trust, yeah. Why would he want to harm yeah. me? And maybe this is something that you do when you're 12 years old. Wow. Like, you know. And, but also, there was something in me that felt like somebody wants to be with me. Ah, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I made I get that, that mean that this is, this love. is love and connection. This is, love. This is what love means. Somebody wants to be with me. Yeah. You know, like. Because they've chosen you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. As in some way, I wanted the attention, but didn't didn't know at the time that what I was doing was wrong. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it happened a few times. You know, there were times when you know, like, 
you know, he'd ask me to take my clothes off mm-hmm. and we would lie together and mm-hmm. like, you know, remember all these mm. things. Wow. How and old is he? And he'd, how old was he? I don't At know. At this stage, like, oh. adult, I take it. Yeah, he was an adult, yeah. He was married. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And, um, but yeah, I had trust for him, like, you mm. know, that he's my, he's my uncle, he would know whether it's the right, until he said, actually, don't tell anyone. Uh, you know, da da da, and then start thinking. but then I started to feel almost uh, had this feeling of when he wasn't in that zone, mm. he didn't actually want anything to do with me. Ah, uh, so the minute that room he left the room, nothing to there do. Was, with, yeah, no. so then I started to have this feeling of being cheap or not wanted or you know like yeah. cast aside or whatever that yeah. was for me. I started to develop that feeling. And when I started to develop that feeling, then I was like, okay, now I'm gonna put. I'm not doing this anymore. I started to feel that I didn't want it anymore. Yeah. So I put a stop to it. But because I didn't know what it was, and all I just blocked it out of my mind and my mm. life, and forgot about it. Till when? Till forever. Right. Wow. Didn't even think of it as anything. And did, when you said to him, "I don't want this anymore," he accepted. He accepted it. Okay. Yeah, he was. You know, he didn't. He didn't do it anymore. But and then so then life, I just carried on in life, you wow. know, and then, so that was at the age of like around twelve, and then age fourteen, my parents started rowing loads and stuff, and my dad and my parents split up, and that was. Um, you know, really tough. It was like the first Asian family to go through a divorce at the time, you know. Was it led by your mum? My mum, probably both of them. Mm. But in the end, my mum just was like, I'm not having this anymore. Mm. So my mum was... She wants, isn't she? She's quite in the powerful. Com- yeah, and... in the community, you know, like my mum was like, cussed down, not accepted and all of that stuff. Within the UK as yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, you can imagine. So yeah. I started to really feel like my family's crap, I'm mm. crap. I mean, you know, I was getting bullied at school where all my school friends had like ganged up and they weren't speaking to me for some reason. And again, it just contributed to my sense of self-worth or lack of self, you know, mm. self-esteem, my confidence, Gosh. all of that. And I hated who I was now, really hated who I was. I hated my family, I hated me. It was like, ugh, you know, and I, there were days where I would just want to be like, not you know like just not exist i didn't want to die but i just didn't want to exist mm. in this but you didn't know what that looked like yeah yeah, did, yeah yeah you just wanted to stop yeah and then um you know i got a part-time job at tesco as a cashier and started to work with customers and you know really getting into the flow of working with customers and all that kind of stuff um, but actually, before that, I was uh, yeah fourteen. I started a job in a local um, uh, medicine packing okay. factory okay. at the age of fourteen. Because what I realized was my mom was on her own. How is she going to cope on her own? And the I oldest, want, I'm the oldest yeah. with two brothers, and I was like, actually, I'm just going to go and work weekends mm-hmm. and whatever I could mm-hmm. to earn some money. And then I would give her like, however, whatever I was getting at the end of the month, I was just giving to her to support her. You know, my, she would be at work all day, and I'd pick my brothers up from school. I'd make dinner. This was at fourteen. This, this is how, so. This is that that pursuit that's trying to fix things already is yeah, coming out completely, now, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Yeah, because I just wanted to help my mom, and you know, just wanted to take mm. some leadership around really supporting her, yeah. you know, rather than becoming a victim around it and not being responsible. So that was when I, yeah, that was when I started. You put your feelings properly on the side then. Completely. How you're feeling to how you and were I doing? I was just numb. Yeah, the, I was just like, numb. Like, it was just. Is the word for it, uh, the disassociated? Yeah, completely. Completely yeah. was, yeah. Like, you thought if you put down the side, you can continue. 
anything can happen to you and you'll survive. Complete, Did you go into that yes, mode? Completely. I so relate to this. Yeah. So badly relate to it. Completely yeah. know where you're coming from. Yeah, that's exactly You can operate uh, at, at any conditions in that yeah. in that survival mode because you're like, well, yeah. what else can happen to me? Yeah. Bring it on almost. Let completely. me, I'm kind of carry on doing this. Yeah. Completely. In fact, it was like that because at the age of 16, um, my mum bought a shop in Luton. She'd obviously now met a partner and they, she was working away most Amazing. of the week, okay. which was great. And then my brothers, who had rebelled against, because they wanted, they always wanted some like a mother who was maternal mm. and around and all of that. But obviously, yeah. my mom had to go and work. Yeah, you know, so they rebelled. You know, they left home, mm-hmm. and suddenly I'm in this three bedroom house, by yourself, alone, at sixteen, having to fend for myself, having to, you know, my mom obviously paid the bills and stuff, but I was just having to just yeah. fend for myself. And and if it wasn't for the beautiful neighbour that I had who kept an eye on me. You know, but even at night time, I'd be sleeping in this big three, four bedroom house on my own. Oh, wow. And taking care of myself. And Monday to Friday. Would she come back weekends? Yeah. Yeah. But at that age, that's, that's how it was. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it was, you know. Um, and that's when you grow up real fast. Don't yeah, you? completely. Real fast. Really yeah. grew up really quickly. And then um, started working at Tesco, you know, loving my role as starting to, you know, really get into the mode of serving customers mm. and, and all of that. And, you know, so you're finding some significance there, aren't you now? Aren't, yeah. Am I right? What yeah, happened was after about six to eight months of being a cashier, I walked into the office, um, the, the service office, and I saw my name on this list of like top 10 cashiers. And I said, oh, what's this? My name's like number one on this list. Because, yeah, that's, you know, the top 10 um, fastest cashiers. Like, because it was, we was measured on throughput at the time, like how many, how quickly you served a customer, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's not what we do now because before yeah. you just rush through, right? Yeah. But it was um, measured on throughput and I was like, one, and I was like, wow, I'm like a top 10 list and I'm number one. I had never, ever before that day ever felt acknowledged. Wow. Right. What an amazing feeling. Yeah, at 16. And, and you then felt, you grabbed hold of that, didn't I you? I completely yeah. grabbed hold of that. And I was like... I want more of this. I want more of this. Yeah, yeah So then it. I just thrived at work. Mm. I thrived at you work. You yourself in Everything that, that yeah. I did, I thrived. You know, I applied more for... More hours. A, a mani- yeah, I yeah. Did, did that. Because I didn't go to uni because I didn't want the additional burden on my mum mm-hmm. of... Paying for it. Paying for it. And then not, not being, being around. The yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. So I was just like, you know what? I started work... Then I just started taking on more hours at work. By the age of 16, I applied for a supervisor role. And at the age of yeah, 18 was my first managerial wow. role, like, you know, leading a team of people. That must be quite a shock to Tesco. They must have just said this is the youngest manager ever. I, I'm, you, I you don't, don't see managers at 18, yeah, do you? Potentially, yeah. 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 But it was like, you know what, I could do this. You yeah. know, I applied for the role and, you know, I, I started to develop my little cheekiness, you know, like that that's how I wanted to be. And yeah. I you know, and I said, you know, I used to say, like actually, you know, it's all about people. Yeah. You know, I have this way with people and, you know, I wanna You, you know, wanna make people feel good because you didn't feel good. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit of that. Wow. Um and also I just loved when people got lit up. Yeah. You know, because so their of, happiness made you happy. Yeah, completely. Yes. It was like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? So the more people you made happy, the more you got happy. Yeah, yeah. completely. And that's how you went through the journey. Yeah, completely. And then, and then as I started to you know grow in that role, my manager started to see my talent in how I was with people. Then they were you know kept putting these opportunities to me. Mm-hmm. And at the age of like I think nineteen, twenty, I got offered my own department. Um, and I remember running the clothing department at the time and I just, you know, it was because I was quite creative and I 
you know, can see what clothes went, you know. Yeah. Um, I cleaned up the whole department, dealt with all the people there. And I remember my first book was that, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I started to really but, learn. But how did you, because obviously you're in my head I'm thinking this girl should not have nothing to do with reading books right now she should be she's surviving she's not thinking about self-development yeah she's not thinking about anything she's just thinking about how do I get through today and and how do I make myself happy or how do I earn the money or how do I support my mom so real things that are required just to live how did you come across this book then it was really really cool actually no it was really cool because because of my experience with school friends Mm -hmm. at school the bullying yeah, yeah and 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 not having people that I felt I could rely on and trust, I became a little bit like, you know, I just need to do stuff for me. Okay. So books almost became my best mates. Mm. You know, you found comfort in yeah, reading them. But also, at a very, very young age, I found my faith in God. Oh, I see. So I remember at the age of 10 in my bedroom, mm. no, it was 11, when I had, we had our own house, mm-hmm. and I remember having, um, I created a little temple in my room, mm-hmm. and I used to pray every morning. So I'd have my shower, and I'd pray every morning, and I would is just... Is there gratitude in the prayers? Yeah, is that completely. Kind of, yeah. It was all of that, you know, and just believing that, you know what, well, whatever happens, God's going to take care of me. Mm. Has that come from your mom? You know, no. How did you find that? Um... Faith generally passed down. I think a little bit it was from watching um, like aunts in the family, watching what they do, and then we used to go to. I just had this thing. We used to watch lots of Bollywood movies, yeah, yeah, Indian yeah. movies and stuff, and quite some of them are quite religious movies yeah. around how God, mm-hmm. how what God does for yeah. you. That so if you have no show. faith in anybody else but God, God is always going to be there. And there's something from a young age like that you just kind of picked it, picked it up. That you know. Would you say there was one person around that you looked up to, aunt, uncle, cousin, anyone that you thought? This person, you know, you think of them, it makes you feel better that you can go to them or nothing. No, nothing it wasn't anything like that at all. I was just, mm. I was very independent, just very by independent yourself. On my own. Almost. Yeah, yeah, completely. Mm. And and actually, all I had was, you know, what with all the stuff that was going on in my life, all I had was God. Yeah. And I think it must have been through a Bollywood movie or something where I just got, you know, where they, love to they know which teach one it you is. stuff like that, isn't you, it? Yeah, you're right. You know, they Do say. Do you think that, it was one particular one? Um, it's good to know that what influenced that yeah um, i was a big believer in shiva um and whether that was through a movie or whether i read a book or mm -hmm. something i can't remember exactly what it was but i just kind of had this natural thing connection to god you know and i feel really blessed that i've had that all my life is that still there 100 percent 100 percent um and yeah so that's what's kept me going Mm -hmm. you know and then you know work just kind of I remember when I had my own clothing department and you know I'd made lots of changes and taken on you know dealing with the people through reading this book and practicing stuff you know I just have a go so you'll read it then you'll implement yeah I just have a go you know at just implementing it and I remember this that was my first experience of this union rep girl right I remember she was um really militant she was like Oh, I'm not having anyone tell me what mm, to do. You always get all of that. You always you know, get like, somebody like they yeah. need a department, don't you? That can intimidate yeah, you. Yeah, but I wasn't scared. Okay. I was like, okay, I'm just going to be straight with her. Okay. Right? If I ask her to do something and it's a reasonable request... It needs to be done. She, it needs to be done. Yeah. And if she's got an issue with it, then I'll take, you know, we'll have a conversation. Yeah. And that's all I did. But she thought I wouldn't do it. Um, she so thought I was going to be intimidated and I wouldn't do it. And that you would it. approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I did it. Yeah. And I followed through on it. And actually, since then, by doing that, 
your best um, friends now? She became my best mate. Oh my work. God, Not literally. now, but no, at I the know. time. Okay, yeah, she okay. completely, you know, we, we used to discuss yeah. things and I used to ask her opinion. Form and that she, respect in you, yeah, each other, yeah. You know, because people know that mm. then, you know, like they build that respect because they know that, courage yeah and I think equals, what's important yeah. is having those boundaries with people yeah. as well isn't it you know and if I didn't want to come over as a pushover either no. because actually I've got a job to do and your intention is to run this department and people need to play their role yeah it doesn't matter who you are you just yeah. need and to do and if I'm prepared to do something that yeah. I ask you to do and I always got that as a manager yeah. is I would never ask, ask somebody to do something if I wasn't going to be I, oh, to I do really it. believe that I think the great managers always brought that yeah. with them yeah so by being like that my department numbers went up thriving the regional manager came in and he was like who's in charge of this department and i'm like i am and he said oh my Amazing. god i can see how awesome you you know that so what you, you've done you need got lots more recognition yeah acknowledgement you start so to I've feel happier some more you know so work became my place that yeah. i threw myself in i done lots of growing lots of learning lots of you know and then tesco's as i said just just kept pushing you in your learning yeah, and development yeah, yeah. You just get so your your so life much. was spent in Tesco's, and you got the best of your your years are spent there, really, Completely. in terms of how you developed, how you started believing in yourself more, that you yeah. created more self esteem for yourself, you got more confidence there, you understood what leadership is like, and you you had that natural thing, but it gave you the environment to thrive yeah. in completely, 100%. made friends from there as well. Completely. So all of that past was just slowly fading away, and this not new entirely, life. Not entirely, not okay. entirely. Like it was there, it was in parallel. Like my home life was really crap so you kept because right? you were coming back to it but work yeah. was amazing yeah yeah so, so the I was complete contrast yeah. yeah I was living yeah. two different lives and I probably lived two different lives for years mm. even after that um so at this stage now my mum's in Luton I'm working at Tesco thriving doing lots of long hours da 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 my brothers have left home got all that drama going on in, in my mm. world at home but work was really you know I was starting to grow I was having my own and I had and I and I always got really that from a very young age, I think probably from when I started working, that I told myself I'm never going to have a kid until I've got my own house, right? And that one day I'm going to be, um, I had this vision of being suited and booted and being this like business girl, like, you know, career yeah. girl, yeah. independent, having my own money and looking like a hot shot, you know? And I made those dreams come true. Yeah, you absolutely. You know, have so really from I realized that actually by visualizing and having these goals, you, you know, said, yeah, that you actually works. That yeah. it actually works. That you mm. can actually make that happen. So I continued to do that. And then my second book that I started to read was the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen right? Covey, yeah. You know, and that became my Bible. And that's still quite years. young age. You are. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like in my twenties then. How do you? Who was guiding you to select these books? I just found I would just I don't even know there wasn't a good yeah there wasn't internet good, yeah thinking, I don't do you, even are you know, going to the library looking at under self development what are yeah, you doing yeah I think I did I, don't, I can't remember exactly how or I might have just gone to a WH Smith or something and I just bought a book like right. found a book like because okay. I, I thought I wanted to be very independent mm. and I wanted to be somebody right I had this determination to not be defeated yeah. by life yeah so you so you were searching for how to get there. Yeah, like what can I do to become independent, to become effective, to become a leader, mm. and not have to rely on other people. And normal in 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 families around you, a mom and dad will guide you. Yeah. The university, the schools will guide you to get to where you need to. But this is you, just this young girl who's just going through hardship and is looking and looking hard to see how she can achieve yeah, all this. Completely. 
completely amazing and, and I got that um, you know my managers were awesome as well like, yeah. and I guess they took that part didn't they, they, they didn't played know, the guide role yeah they yeah. did but they didn't know anything that was going on outside no. because at work my life was completely different did you hide that for yeah. a purpose I didn't hide it I never actually thought it was a problem I just thought that was just life yeah, yeah the like they didn't need to know it. it's yeah. that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you didn't ever, you didn't ever bring it with you, so it didn't affect you. No, no. never. Yeah. You know, because at work it the was the ability it was, to keep it completely separate. You were yeah. good at that. Yeah. Because I was, because it's, well, actually there was, you know, that lady that I said she she was a young graduate. Yeah. She was brought in on a graduate program. Her name's Denise. She's one of my best friends now. Yeah. She was a real role model and mentor for me at the I time. See. You know, and one of the things that she said was she was very professional, very young and aspiring. You know, and there were some things that she would say to me that I was like, yeah you know I'm going to be like what she you know we used to say like mm. don't trust people be independent mm-hmm. you know because when you're older you know you want to be able to just rely on yourself you know and, and I had that in my mind that I was going to be independent not rely on other people da 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 but the danger of that was that then I just became so self-reliant and never asked for help mm. you know? and if you asked you felt like you never were, you were weak you were weak yeah, you're exactly weak, you know? I completely you know, so get what you're you saying know what I mean? yeah. so, 100% so you know, I kind of did isolate myself a, a little bit and then didn't develop relationships that were abundant in love and connection yeah. and stuff like that. Because whatever all... happens, you'd be all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd put that in your head and build such strong walls. You're like, it doesn't matter what yeah. comes in or out. Completely. I am good without anyone. Yeah, completely. You had to. Yeah. Of and yeah. then it was more like uh, it had to be for survival. But then it became a habit. Yeah, like completely. you're not taking help from anyone. You, yeah. you won't even take a single penny from anyone. I'll no. survive whatever happens. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand that. Um, and then I started going out with this guy, who just kind of. I think I was at a stage where my dad had left home, and I've never seen him again. My dad never contacted us on our birthdays, like oh, wow. celebrations this or anything. He just kind up. of left when they split up when wow, I was fourteen. Okay. So, I was like, very isolated in life anyway yeah in terms of emotions and all of that my parents weren't around my brothers weren't around my friends were like nowhere to all I had was work yeah and I was just everything like, was from work so, yeah. so they were your friends they were your yeah, co- everything for you. and yeah. I and I guess I was in a place where like um without really realizing very vulnerable in some way that um you know, looking for somebody to take care of me mm-hmm. because my dad wasn't around, brothers weren't around, mom wasn't around. Yeah. You know, like there was this need to be taken care of, like yeah. like in the Bollywood films. You yeah. know, the hero comes along, yeah, and it makes everything all right. Yeah, yeah. And this hero came along, right? You know, he was, you know, very well educated. He had a great job. You know, had his place with, you know, lived with his mom. You know, in our culture, yeah, that's what yeah. they do. And you know, we dated for a while, and I just thought, you know, wow, what a great, awesome guy. Yeah, you know, so. He knew that I was, you know, aspiring in, you know, growing in my career, very independent, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, um, you know, I didn't know what he was like to live with because we don't live with people no. until we're married. Of course, right? yeah, it's not right. It's not. It's yeah, not allowed uh, and not seen well yeah, in the cultures. Yeah, but outside of that, we were quite, you know, really good friends. And yeah. we got along, and you know, it was like you see each other, but you just don't live. Yeah, yeah and we yeah. really got along, and you know, we liked how we were together. Yeah. So he proposed, and I said yes. And then, um, you know, we, was, every, all the family were at the wedding and all that kind of stuff. So the, at this and stage, it's like a Bollywood film coming through. Yeah, almost. literally yeah. was, yeah. yeah. And then we're on honeymoon. And all of a sudden, I'm like, because I wanted to get something for my mum, like just buy a souvenir or something, because that's yeah. what we used to do. Yeah, you always take back something, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And he was like, what do you want to get that for? 
I was like, what? You know, like, he was questioning everything that I wanted to do for myself. Like, if I wanted to buy my my brother something or whatever, he was constantly questioning. Like, there was suddenly some sort of control thing going on. And I was like, what? It was crazy. Wow. It was really crazy. I was in shock. In fact, I remember being on my honeymoon and thinking, I just can't wait to get back home. You want normality back? Yeah, I yeah didn't this want is to not be nice. This is guy. It? Yeah, I was suddenly Gosh. like, oh my god! What, did you think, oh my god, what the hell have I done? Yeah, I did think that. Wow! And I had no idea that he was like that. I had no idea. Anyway, I got back, and suddenly this guy became a chauvinistic. Oh my god! He didn't become it. He was probably it, but I'd never seen it, or he'd never shed. You know, we live with his mom, and you know, literally, we got. You know, we were married for two years. And we literally got to a place where he'd be like, we're sitting in the living room, and he'd be like, go and ask my mom if she wants a cup of coffee. <gasps> you should go and ask. So this is a really cultural thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like you're back in India, and yeah. you, you live at home, yeah. you have no job. <laughs> That's what yeah. you, yeah. So oh. by now, I'm making million pound decisions in my workplace. Exactly. And, and at home, I'm like a doormat, like seriously. Oh my right? God. So you go from a not-so-great home life to another not-so-great home life. Completely, completely, right? And that kind of went on for like nearly two years. You know, I'd be, we'd go to families, you know, I got on really well with everyone in his family. Like, I'm that kind of a yeah, person. person. You, you make friends and, really easily. Yeah. yeah, and I remember once, you know, we were at a family gathering and I was sitting in the living room talking to a couple of the family and his mum tapped me on my shoulder and she said, your place is in the kitchen. Oh my gosh, so really... Um... So old school. So old oh my school, God. it was like crazy, yeah. My God. And um... I, I'm thinking this is not the dad, no. Is this the same guy we talking? No, no, no. no right, okay, guy. yes. Yeah, so that was my first husband. Yeah. So we were married for te- two years, and then I just had to leg it because I was like, oh, I did not become who I am for this. No, gosh. You know, so I left, and then you know, then I went on to buy my own my first house, um, and I knew I would never going to have children with him because the whole time that whole experience of the two years mm. was like, there's no way I'm going to raise a child mm. with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I don't yeah. want even my kid to have his and DNA he, in him. No, absolutely. <laughs> in, you know, so I knew that. I take you um, so not I, friends with this guy. No, no I don't. No, we've, no. we've not connected at all. Yeah, okay. You know. Um, so then I went and bought my house. I went back to uni while I was working. Got my CIPD okay. qualification, oh, um, and then developed um, a different relationship with my mom at the time, and started to get closer with my brothers. And you know, kind of, we just kind of started gelling a little bit more yeah, as a family. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I met H, who's my peer's dad. Yeah. And he was like younger than me. We met in a club. Like, oh, nice. You know, well, yeah. not really. I was just like, you know, he, he, you know, he chatted me up, and I was like, "Where's this gonna go?" I gave him the wrong number, wrong name, or I can't remember what it was. But then we just started talking, okay. you know, and then that developed, and we got married like two years later. And then, you know, I real, you know, his family were very inclusive, very loving, very open, very generous, and I was like, "All right, this could work," you know. And then, you know, we married in February, um, conceived in March. Had Pia in December, like everything wow, happened. Yeah, it's just you almost press the fast forward button there. Yeah, yeah, but in the meantime, you know, I'd gone through. Um, so that was the other thing is in the meantime between that relationship and going into this one, my health deteriorated loads. I had, um, I was just gushing out in blood. Wow. For didn't know what was happening, and um, I went to the doctors, and they found a fibroid in my womb. It was the size of a five month baby. Oh my goodness me. So obviously I had to, had first of all, I had to have two blood transfusions because I'd lost so much blood. Oh my God. Um, and then obviously then I had to have that removed. So I went through three months of injections to shrink the fibroid. 
and then had operated that removed, it. operated. So I didn't know I was going to be able to have children. Okay. So that, oh, that's why so, it's quite important for you too. Yeah. yeah so it then became that, a need. Yeah. So, but what was, you know, really scary was I had the fibroid removed. And then a year later, I had endometriosis, like on a really oh, bad gosh. So I had to have two further operations to have that removed. And then when we got married, I was like, we need to know if we can have kids. And I want to know now rather yeah. than later. Yeah. So, you know, and it was great because as soon as I came off the, because I had to go on a pill after having endometriosis to control the bleeding. Yeah. As soon as I came off it, it conceived straight away. Oh, fantastic. And it was really, you know, she's an amazing blessing, you know. Um, and then, you know, that was my dream, you know, for the first five years of our marriage, I was living in a dream. It wow. was just beautiful, you know, and then slowly as it kind of progressed it, you know, what happened, what happened. Yeah. Anyway, so 2016 was when it all came crashing down. 2017, I met a guy who, you know, was an amazing friend and he said, so if you're on your develop personal development journey, you've got to go and do this course. Okay. All right. So I'd already done Andy Harrington's um, Professional Speakers Academy because I was starting to think about what I wanted to do and I wanted to set up my own HR business um, because I, I was like, I'm not going to continue going to apply for jobs. And no, for other people, my confidence. Would, this is now, you can do this yourself. Yeah. yeah. So um, plug myself into Andy Harrington's PSA, yeah. find myself around authors and public speakers and all that kind of stuff. So I was starting to create my journey of where I wanted to go. And then my friend said, go to this course, it's the most amazing personal development program you'd ever do. It's with Landmark Education. And... Um, was it great? Oh, my God. Life-changing. Wow. Completely life-changing. So I hadn't spoken to my dad for nearly 15 years. You know, I was like, I don't need my dad. You know, he's... What kind of a dad doesn't contact his children yeah. or doesn't yeah. care, whatever. I was making him wrong. You know, my dad, as far as I'm concerned, my dad's dead for me. All of that yeah. was like, literally, you know. Um, but on the second day, I contacted my dad... And wow, yeah, because what I realized was actually it doesn't matter who my dad is for me, it's who do I want to be for my dad? Yes, exactly, right? Back to exactly what you just started yeah. from, yeah, 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 yeah. And connected with him and said to him, I'm really sorry that I've not been in touch, I've not been around, and all he said to me was, Has my granddaughter. So he doesn't want anything to do with you? No, no, no. He just said, don't worry about it. He oh, said, right. I see. Got you. All right, right, like, right. Okay. You know, like, he didn't make me wrong for no, it. No, no. He, he didn't dwell into it. He just Yeah, wanted he was to, just yeah, like, you know, Accepted what you gave him and yeah, moved on and from Yeah, and then he just said, yeah, how's my granddaughter? How's, you know? Amazing. Which was really cool. And then, obviously, then I went to see him, you know, that week and, and whatever. But also, what I got from that was, up until then, I had this thing in me that I've got a message and I want to share it. Mm. But I hated the sound of my voice. I hated feeling judged I hated you know like I felt like what people are going to think yeah. of me like you know who they're going to be like who does she think she is and all of, you know all these things were stopping me from sharing yeah. and being self-expressed but after I did that on the Saturday with my dad the Sunday morning I made a video about my experience with my dad okay right on the uber drive into this course yeah and um as I, was, I made the video it just felt really natural it was just yeah. a natural conversation and I put it on my Facebook and I was just like, fuck shit, shit, you know. <laughs> and then... Um, you did it anyway, yeah. I did it anyway. And the response was phenomenal. In that one week, wow. I had 4,000 views. My wow. inbox was flooded with people saying, I watched your video and I've contacted my dad. Oh, my God. I had people contacting me saying, can I share my, your video with my kids because I haven't seen them. Da, da, da. It was just phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. And I really got the power of sharing from there from that place That's and amazing. I didn't make my dad wrong in the video I all like oh, I yeah. just I just completely owned what, what I was doing. doing yeah 
and I got that you know what I've now got this freedom of wow. choosing how I want to be with my dad that's transformation you know it completely 100%. was a transformational course and in everything that I learned from that course was actually not about being somebody who's going to be living life through circumstances but going to be somebody who creates her and designs her life yes right and you choose that how you and want I to created be. from that course is who I wanted to be mm. for the world and I chose that you know what who I want to be for the world is love leadership and empowerment mm-hmm. and that's exactly right? what you do every and day that, and, and I created that as a habit you know like because you can create a habit of being somebody that shit always happens to yeah, somebody victim, that yeah, anything, that. yeah always all the things that have happened in my life I could have easily gone oh down my the road God, yes, of yes, and anything that was going through my head how is this girl absolutely surviving yeah, what, you, what you're telling me yeah. and not only am I am I surviving thriving. but now I'm thriving yeah, because yeah. I'm, I get to create my life every yeah, single, single day, day. So with I wake the, up with in the that morning, right attitude that you have, yeah. With, I wake up in the morning and I know I'm going to make a difference to somebody. Yeah. Like I know in this conversation I made a difference to you. Yes, you have. And I'm so I'm like listening. Like I can't. It's amazing what you just said. It really it really relates yeah. so much. It relates. I can't tell you. Beautiful. Completely really, really right. Good. And you know I get to do that every single day. Mm. I have complete peace of mind. I learned to not make people wrong. Mm. To learn to accept people for who they are learn to really understand you know in Stephen By Covey's listening. book the first you know yeah. he talks about being on a train with his, all these rowdy kids yeah. on he's trying to have be sit yes. quietly and he's thinking why is this man not controlling these children and the, is that a wife and he turns around and the mum's died doesn't yeah, it yeah he said yeah they're just dealing with the fact exactly that, that really impacted me actually yeah like how do you know how can you judge someone yeah you don't know what's going on with them even yeah. if they are drunk even if they are whatever's going on with them there is always a story for Completely. them to get to where they have and Completely. if you can understand that you have a different mindset where you approach people with uh, empathy yeah. and you, you have this forgiveness of attitude Always. you're not going in there yeah. angry you can't you, even be angry you can't can be you? angry because no. you kind of think actually because you, know you might say it's so important this exact point you've just yeah. said Completely and if more that. people thought like this I think they will have peace in life which it's about I peace have, which I completely yeah. have you know like with everyone in my life Amazing. there's no make wrong no. about anything because people are just doing the best they can 100%. with what they have tell us, what, tell us quickly what you do and how yep. can people contact you okay so I am a coach and mentor for HR professionals mm-hmm. um, and with my life experiences and my coaching experience, um, I help HR professionals be confident and credible in their role. Fantastic. Um, and who should get in contact with you? Sorry? Who should get in contact? So anyone in the HR profession or if you're a line manager or a senior manager um, and really want to develop your career mm-hmm. uh, want to move forward, then you should contact me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do one-to-one coaching. And where, how should they get in contact? So through LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, I'm on Facebook, yep. and yeah, so my website is um, www.thehrleadershipacademy.com. Perfect. What we're going to, what will, yeah, go on. Yeah. Is there another one? And um, yeah, that's it. So that's it. yeah. I will pop those down on our um, podcast anyway, okay, so that great. people can get in touch with you and, uh, and have any comments or ask you a question, because I think the way you're approaching HR and what the, the what you just talked about um, was putting the human back in HR yeah, is exactly 100%. what your story represents. Yes, completely. You are dealing with things just by talking to people and looking at their mindsets. Yeah. You're not dealing with it with any process procedures or any of those. You've not used any technical words in this conversation. And for that, I'm really thankful because there's other people listening to this conversation are definitely going to take that particular thing away, especially if they are leaders, um, the heads of businesses, 100%. people in HR. People and you who get are to be bosses. a leader in every area of your life. Just quickly, I want to share with yeah. you as well is I'm also one of the founders 
a World Transformation Organization. Okay. And what we've done in 2018, we opened the first uh, World Transformation Academy in a slum in India. Oh, oh wow. Uh, we bring personal development. So our mission is to bring personal development to everybody. So we've gone into a slum and we've all opened a personal development academy there for the children and their families to realize that they can have a dream. Wow. And we have um, once a month motivational speakers, yoga, meditation happening within the school That's to really fantastic. develop and transform these kids' lives. But what we also do is we have World Transformation Day, which is on the first Sunday in April yeah. every year. Yeah. And we're creating a movement, a bit like, you know, we have Valentine's Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Father's yeah. Day, we've got World Transformation Day. That's amazing. And on that day, we celebrate everyone in the world who makes a difference to others. That's fantastic. So in the first year, in 2018, we had um, 40 projects and we impacted 12,000 people. Wow. Last year, in 2019, we had um, 100 and... 30 odd projects I think and we impacted nearly 45,000 people That's more than double yeah this year we want to impact a million people oh my god so we want as many Thank leaders you. all over the world so we had every country like it's global we've got people from India Brazil Mexico all over the world contributing like basically they hold an event a project mm -hmm. or a challenge mm -hmm. that inspires other mm -hmm. people on that day mm -hmm. and they just hashtag WTD 2020 okay um and you know we and get spread to celebrate yeah. yeah transformation oh my god fantastic that's an that amazing day. cause that's thank really you. really good thank, thank you, you so much for being on this particular show this story has been one very close to my heart what you've said and I relate so much of it my story is very similar being by yourself being on your own as a teenager yeah. the the child abuse that you talked about that and, and the way you've actually explained all of this things that happened to you in your life were a, a gift and that yeah, you're using completely. your gift openly yeah. and there's so many other people that can actually turn their victim mindset into the gift that they've actually got these are actually experiences they're not they're not um, the word I'm looking for is they're not something to stop you and be stuck in that place yeah, it's completely. to use that and say what, can, what have I learned from this yeah. and go forward if yeah. you start thinking like that you're really truly going to find peace in life yeah. that you have found thank you yes. so much for being on the show welcome. and uh, yeah thank you and we're going to release this podcast on Sunday for everyone Yay. to hear cool. thank, thank you. you for having me thank you Sue If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you never miss out on the next episode.